This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. Welcome to Pair O Normal Guys. I'm Chris. And I'm your host with the most, Chad. Is that in honor of Ghostbusters coming out pretty soon? Why not? not. I know you're excited about that. No, I'm not that excited about the Ghostbusters movie. You're not? No, I think the logo Ghost being in the movie, and it looks like a caricature of Dan Aykroyd. I don't know. Well, it is pretty impressive that it it already has the most hated trailer of all time title. No, I, I kind of understand, but it's okay. I digress. I don't want to see it started on that. No. <laughs> you know, th- this is normally where I would say, hey, Chad, what have you had anything going on this week? But I think instead of that, this week we may talk about the crazy post of the interview that was and then wasn't after about two minutes. Yeah. You know, the crazy hand of fate came down and crush that interview and cast it to the to the sky to the ether and if you're wondering what we're talking about a few days ago we put up the interview that we had talked about last show that chad had done with jeff byers of creature replica while he was at the ohio bigfoot conference and everything was working well i had it on youtube i had it on our website and a few minutes later chad let me know that he could see the video but there was no audio And it turns out that good old YouTube slapped us with a copyright infringement because in the background of the video, there just happened to be playing an Eagles song. Yeah, the the bar where we did the quick interview, um, Jeff was watching his table and he was kind enough to step over to a little bar area that was at the conference so we could do the interview. And that bar had been quiet all day. I actually went in there and just sat down a couple of times to kind of reorganize some stuff and regroup. And it just so happens at the very moment we started it, the Eagles come on in the background. So, you know, the interview went pretty well, but in the end, we couldn't use it. So so if you follow us on Facebook, which is one of the best ways to get any kind of information out from us is follow our Facebook page. As The second a show goes up, there is a post on Facebook saying there's a new show. Uh, anytime I post any news on the website, it goes up automatically on Facebook. So... I had put a post up saying that the interview was up, and then within about five to ten minutes, that post immediately went down from our site because there was no point of leaving it up if you couldn't hear it. Yeah, well, actually, it kind of works out because we're working on posting the new interview. I actually was able to get Jeff to agree to uh, 
call me and do an interview over the phone. And we have a couple more special guests that are going to be part of that interview. And it actually ended up being a much better, more thorough interview with a lot better audio because we weren't sitting somewhere trying to just record it in a bar setting. So uh, it kind of worked out. I think everybody's going to like it a lot more anyway. A lot more information. Right. And like I said, I have the uh, I have the audio part all edited down and ready to go. We're just waiting on, you know, a couple pictures Jeff wants to send in for me to throw over uh, for a video part of it. So when that's up, uh, like I said earlier, if you follow us on Facebook, uh, the second that goes up, you'll see a post saying that it's up and ready to go. But after the whole litigious eagle fiasco, one good thing is uh, we uh, actually have our first promotional little item in now, Chad. Yes, we do. We have some amazing paranormal guys decals. That's right. Put them to, on anything. To adorn your, your laptop, your... Uh, your cell phone, uh, trapper keeper, some relative's vehicle that didn't realize you put it on there. Whatever you want to do, random person's vehicle, random random people vehicles. That's right. Uh, so, Chris, how how are they going to be able to obtain these paranormal guys? I would think the easiest way is just drop us an old email at pongpodcast at gmail dot com. P o n g podcast at gmail dot com, and just say, hey, this show is awesome. So here's my address, send me a decal. Because if you'd say something like, the show sucks, I don't think I'm going to send a decal. Wow, you mean we're giving these things away? We're practically just handing them to people? We are giving them away for loyalty. That's amazing. That's free. You can't beat free. <laughs> well, you might if we paid you to take one. Yeah, but I don't think we can go that far. We might have to. I still don't even have a new pair of headphones yet. So <laughs> to stop you before you make fun of them at the end of the show. I'm like I would do that. Yeah, you, you kind of would. But yeah, so we got the stickers in. I know we uh, we have some business cards in that we're going to start, you know, schlepping around places. Give those out. It's true. We want everybody to take a listen, see if, what they think. Which we may need those, Chad, because it looks like we might have to do, we might have to go on a world tour. Oh, really? Why is that? Apparently we're huge in the Netherlands. Huge in the Netherlands? Right. Wow. I would give a big shout out to the Netherlands but in Dutch, but I don't know any Dutch. You know, if I was to... Uh... Just guess to which area of the world we would be the most appealing. I would have never thought the Netherlands. They know they know quality. Do they? It's true. But also trying trying to catch up with the Netherlands. It turns out Australia. Oh well. Particularly what I think the name of the town was Rankin Park, Australia. Rankin Park, Australia. That's impressive. That's right. And it, interestingly enough, I've been about sixty miles away from Rankin Park, Australia, Chad. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, my wife and I took our honeymoon to Australia, and we went to Sydney, and it turns out Rankin Park is 60-ish miles or so away from there. Did you buy a good hat you could go swimming in? I did. Good, because that's important. <laughs> it always is. You always need a hat you can go swimming in. Swim. That is correct. It's true. Never know when you're going to need that. But hey, if you are one of the people in the Netherlands or Rankin Park, Australia, that listens to us, send us an email, please. Tell us, <laughs> I want to hear from why. somebody. <laughs> I just want to know why. Oh, I want to know why someone enjoys a show in those areas as much as they do. That's right. And stories. I do like stories. Chad loves his stories. I do. You know what stories reminds me of, Chad? Never ending. News. Oh, news. Yeah, we do have some news. So do you have any uh, stories from the uh, news desk for us this week? I do have a story, and this one is sure not to leave you flat. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Standing atop brimstone head fogo islands imposing rocky outcrop that stretches out onto the north atlantic it's easy to see why some people dubbed it one of the corners of the 
flat earth. Mm-hmm. Are we- if you've ever wanted to learn more about that quirky idea and the people who propagate it, you'll want to check out a new museum on the island. Stories of Flat Earth have this odd, intangible mm. cultural connection to Newfoundland. Are you okay? I'll be fine. Can I make it through the story without you just totally losing it? Uh, I'm going to go to my happy place. I know you don't care for the uh, Flat Earth. Theory. I'm in my happy place. Okay. Continue. Kay Burns, curator of the Museum of the Flat Earth, told CBC Radio's Central Morning Show, The Space Ups the Ante for Burns, an artist who's been fascinated with all things Flat Earth since the 80s. Once I moved to Fogo Island in 2001... It seemed to become a really kind of logical connection, this place. To kind of take it to the next level, she said. Newfoundland has this long tradition of tall tales, oral history, recitation, and this seemed to fit this opportunity to build this monument to the other kind of story. In that vein, burn space bends the concept of the museum and fact versus fiction. Some of what's on display belongs to the original Flat Earth Society of Canada. Flat Earth, eh? Established in Fredericton in 1970. I have a number of artifacts from that original group, Burns said. Material on loan from the University of New Brunswick Archives. I've spoken with old members. I've read books about Flat Earth Societies. One member in particular gets thorough treatment at the museum, Bartholomew Seeker, who Burns said moved to Fogo in 1971 as the Guardian of the Corner. Burns herself has dived into the world of Flat Earthers. I developed a performance persona whose name is Iris Taylor, and Iris is reinstated to the Flat Earth Society of Canada as the president, she said. Mm. Taylor's listed as the museum's official curator, and according to her, there are several other corners of the world, including but not limited to Easter Island, the Bermuda Triangle, and Tasmania. Down in Tasmania, up in Tasmania. Because it's an art project, there's been significant amount of fictional embellishment to some of the material, said Burns. Fictional. Did you hear that? Uh-huh. You'll be all right. Fictional. This winter, Burns began to renovate the museum space appropriately placed in part of the Flat Earth Outpost Cafe in Shoal Bay, a construction job that piqued the interest of locals. They'd stick their heads around the door to see what I was doing, said Burns. Adding once she began installing exhibits, she closed off the space to the public. People will finally get to see the museum Saturday, May 21st, at the grand opening from 3 to 5 p.m. An event Burns promises will be fun and spontaneous. The museum will then be open throughout the summer. So there you go, Chris. If you want to go find out a little more about Flat Earthers um, and the Flat Earth Theory, yeah, there you go. I'm excited. little magic. You get to find out where you can't go on the GPS and you don't just drop off. You know. Yeah. <laughs> a museum to it. That's like having a museum to the uh, number I. You know why, Chad? You know what I is in, in mathematics? Um, no. Imaginary. Imaginary, huh? That's right. Huh. It's like having a museum to leprechauns. They probably do. Fairies and, well, fair, yeah, fairies. You believe in all that stuff. That's part of your ethnic heritage. Mm. I just don't know. Mr. Caffrey. I mean, math and science and physics and stuff. Yeah, well, you should should kind of bone up on that stuff before you go throwing out. Hey, look, the Earth's flat. Hey, sometimes that stuff's overrated. Right. Just got to go with what you feel. Apparently. What's in here? <laughs> uh, anyway, Chad, I have a new story. All right, <laughs> moving on. Is it going to upset me? Quick, I I, I hope so. <laughs> Great, you're going to like it. <laughs> it's not going to upset you. Okay. 
The Trojan War was a grander event than even Homer would have us believe. Dull. The hell you say. Thank you. The famous conflict may have been one of the final acts in what one archaeologist has controversially dubbed World War Zero. An event, he claims, brought the Eastern Mediterranean Bronze Age world crashing down 3,200 years ago. Wouldn't it be the latex age? Why? Against better judgment, why? It's Trojan. And the catalyst for the war, uh-huh. a mysterious and arguably power civiliz- powerful civilization almost entirely overlooked by archaeologists. Eternia. The Luwians. The Luwians? <laughs> By the second millennium BC, civilization had taken hold throughout the eastern Mediterranean. The Egyptian New Kingdom coexisted with the Hittites of central Anatolia and the Mycenaeans of mainland Greece. Gozer um, worshippers. Among others. I think that was Mesopotamians. I thought they were the Hittites. Could have been. In little more than a single generation, they had all collapsed. Was the culprit climate change? Some sort of earthquake storm? Social unrest? Archaeologists can't seem to agree. You gotta watch Earthquake Storms. Is that on sci-fi? I think it is. It's one of those made-for-sci-fi movies. Earthquake Storm versus, like, Sun Typhoon. Sure. <laughs> Make a sharp. Eberhard Zanger, head of international non-profit Luwian Studies, based in Zurich, Switzerland, says that's because one crucial piece of the puzzle is missing. Another powerful civilization in western Anatolia played a crucial ro- role in the downfall. His investigations of the published literature show that western Anatolia is extraordinarily rich in mineral and metal ore deposits, meaning it's likely to have been an important region in antiquity. Through studies of satellite imagery, Zanger has also found that the area was densely populated during the Late Bronze Age. Only a handful of the 340 large city-like sites he has identified have been excavated. Some of these sites are so large you can see them from space, says Zanger. There's so much waiting to be found, it's really just mind-boggling. Hittite texts, that's easy to say, Hittite texts, talk of several petty kingdoms in western Anatolia speaking versions of a common language, Luwian. According to Zanger, that means we can legitimately talk of them as forming a Luwian civilization in their own right. We know from Hittite texts that the Luwian kingdoms sometimes formed coalitions powerful enough to attack the Hittite empire. Zanger thinks that 3,200 years ago, the Luwians did just that and destroyed the Hittite empire. Shortly after the demise of the Hittites, Egyptian texts document an attack force they termed the Sea People. Zanger says it makes sense to view the Sea People as Luwians continuing their campaign for wealth and power, and in the process, weakening and de-establishing the Egyptian New Kingdom. So, it goes on for a while and talks about that, but what they eventually get to is perhaps Atlantean. Yeah. Is that because when they refer to them as sea people? They really shouldn't call them the sea people word, though, should they? (laughs) Oh, Chad. Do you know how they found a lot of the places where they would store their clothes for battle? How's that, Chad? Because they came across their whitey Hittites. Oh, wow. Whitey Hittites? Yeah? That's good. Yeah. Hey, you know what? What? I think I just figured out why we're so big in the Netherlands. Uh, why is that? It's, it's that Chad Smith. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> oh. Remember Paz we used to work with at Circuit City? Oh, Pascal. He did he enjoy He enjoyed it. your sense of humor. He sure did. And free lunch. 
He did enjoy free lunch, too. But anyway, we digress. We have tonight a topic that I know both of us are really interested in. What's that? Black-eyed kids. Like with Fergie and the whole... Those are black-eyed peas. Oh. Oh, you mean... Black-eyed kids. B-E-Ks. Oh. One of the the things that actually creeps me the heck out. You know, they are pretty (laughs) creepy. So I think we'll only keep it to those two news stories tonight, Chad. Yes. Do you have no sense of banter tonight? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Huh? I mean, I'm intrigued and frightened all at the same time. (laughs) I hate you. I'm terrified beyond the capacity of rational thought, Chris. No one stacks books like that. That's right. Symmetrical book stacking. So anyway, uh, yes, black-eyed kid, Chad. Bex? Two turntables and a microphone. Two turntables and a microphone. And for anybody that has ever, never heard of Black Eyed Kids or just doesn't know much about them, I pulled a little uh, story of sorts off of BlackEyedChildrenReports.com that's just a general overview of kind of what an encounter's like, what the Black Eyed Kids themselves are sort of like, that I thought gave a really good synopsis of a typical encounter. Knock, knock, knock. It usually begins with a continuous knock at the door. The knock continues until the door is answered. In some cases, it's the doorbell. It's a continuous drone of the doorbell ringing as if someone is pressing the doorbell button without releasing it. Once the calling at the door has been answered, a request is usually submitted. Can we use your phone? Can we use your restroom? Can we get a drink? Can we have something to eat? Or simply, can we come in? When the request is either denied or not achieved to their satisfaction of being allowed to enter your house or get into your vehicle, the spokesperson becomes agitated and more firm in asking to be allowed to enter. Let us in. We can't come in unless you tell us we can. You must let us in. This won't take long. Once the spokesperson realizes that the request is being denied, his or her desperation causes an act of carelessness of keeping their head down to hide their facial appearance. The child unmindfully raises their head and reveals their unique eye features by making eye contact. There are many theories on who these children are and what they want. One must keep in mind that this falls in the category of paranormal phenomenon and not much can be determined as answers to the many questions that follow these encounters. Though each possible theory may have values that fit this phenomenon, the truth and the answers lie within the detail of each report. In order to understand this phenomenon to its fullest, it is extremely important for eyewitnesses to come forward to detail their encounter. So, Chad, the phenomenon itself, they go on to describe, saying within the last decade, hundreds of people have come forward to describe this most unusual encounters. The reports describe children who have the intent to invade one's personal dwelling space, whether being their home or their vehicle. Beyond the odd behavior of these children, the most notable feature is the solid black eyes, lacking the white part of the eye known as the sclera, nor is there an iris seen. The eyes are often referred to as solid black almond-shaped eyes. In most cases, the children arrive in pairs. One is usually the spokesperson for the duo, usually wearing a dark hooded sweatshirt that helps conceal their face as they timidly keep their heads down. In some cases, the adult recalls this sense of being under the influence of a hypnotic state, I realized I was opening the door wider for them to enter. I found myself reaching for the door handle to open my car. I felt myself becoming submissive. My brain was screaming, wake up, you fool. 
if and when the adult firmly makes the final stand by closing the door or drives off, the child or children seems to vanish without a trace. One person recounted, I was saying, I peeked out the window and they were gone, as if they just vanished into midair. What are they? Some of the theories out there are alien hybrids, they're demonic, they're vampires, they are associates of men in black, they could be time travelers. Due to skepticism and lack of proof, many people believe that the claims are false and nothing more than just stories. This leads many people to loosely use the term urban legend. The fact is, urban legends are stories that cannot be traced to a particular person, place, or time. In order for a story to be categorized as an urban legend, the story must lack an eyewitness and cannot be accredited. In the case of black-eyed children, there are hundreds of eyewitnesses that are verifiable and can be interviewed, thus placing the black-eyed children in the category of reports. Chad? Yeah. I know, this is this is one of those, you know, I can hear stories about Bigfoot and Dogmen and lake monsters all day long and think, okay, great, that's cool. For some reason, stories about black-eyed kids creeps me out. You live out here in the boonies near the woods, and your kids <laughs> would just let them right in the house. We both know that. Probably so. I mean, I'm not going to lie. These black-eyed kid stories make me a little anxious. I feel like I need to pee a little bit every time I hear one. <laughs> so, yeah, the the general, the gist of that story is basically there. there's usually two kids, and they seem to be, what, would you say between 8-ish and maybe 15 I think that's is the about general, the usual general consensus. Yeah. And it always seems that one is maybe a year or two older than the other, and that is the spokesman for the group. And it's always a request, and from most of the stuff I've always heard is, it's something odd. Like, it, it's, it seems okay, but there's just something a little touch out of place with, instead of saying, can we use your phone, they may say, can we use your telegraph? Yeah, that's that's what I've heard, and they seem to have a... Their grasp of the English language is a little off. Either it's outdated or it's spoken kind of robotically or they ask for something odd like ketchup to put on a apple. Something just right. weird. It's off. It's kids that are making the request, which makes it that much creepier. Because I think for most adults, they have this built-in need to protect children. They think a child's in trouble, but then this thing that looks like a child shows up and it's like they get the sensation like they're being stalked by a predator. Not the one like Arnold Schwarzenegger had to fight, but, you know, like a wolf or a, you know, there you go, a wolf or a, I don't know, a bear. Right, a wolf or a bear. And another thing that's always weird about the encounters is the people seem, have always said that at first they just, get, they have an overwhelming sense of dread like just something is really wrong yeah but then at the same time as soon as the the spokesman of the group says hey can we use your phone hey can we come in it's cold even though they have that overwhelming sense of dread they also somewhere in the back of their mind they get a hey I'm, yeah i'm gonna let you in and it's like they're being controlled and these things want you to be afraid they want, they want to feed off of that fear and now I know I pulled. I also pulled a couple stories down because almost every encounter, it seems that I guess good sense <laughs> takes effect, and the people don't let the kids in. Mm -hmm. But I, there are a few stories that are out there of people that have actually let them in their home or their car. And I believe you have one there, Chad. I do so have a story from WeekendWeird.com 
um, that documents an encounter with some of these black-eyed kids. Um, it begins with, I live just outside of a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight-knit community where everyone knows one another and people don't lock their doors at night, which is never a good idea. No. <laughs> there has never been any need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a loud banging on my front door. At the time, my husband and I lived in a small home on a dirt road just off the rural route into town. It was the middle of a snowstorm, and the nearby hills get very slippery in the snow, so I thought that someone might have been in an accident, and they've broken down. It's happened before. When I looked out the window, I could see that our motion spotlight was on. I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from our road and into our driveway. There was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road, and no one had driven on it for at least a couple of hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see that someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband up just to feel safer. When I was telling him what was going on, the banging on the door started again. My husband went to answer it while I stood in the hallway. When he opened the door, there were two children standing in the snow looking toward the ground. They were a boy and a girl, and could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed very strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight. The boy had a dated haircut that looked almost like a bowl cut. They weren't dressed for winter, and my first thought was, they must have been Mennonite children, but as far as I know, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush them inside, bundle them up with some blankets and hot cocoa. That's not how I felt. Children were very unnerving. They would not make eye contact, and when my husband asked them if everything was okay, they asked if they could come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. It was around 2 o'clock in the morning, and at this point, uh, the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did anyway. I went to the kitchen to make some hot cocoa while my husband took them into the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay, where they came from, how far they walked, if their parents' car was broken down, things like that. But they always answered, our parents will be here soon. They spoke in sing-songy voice. They weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home at all. I started to notice our cats. We had four. We're all hiding except Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Normally our cats are very curious and friendly, and we have to be careful that they don't run out the door when we leave. This time none of them even tried to see who was here. I thought it was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up, and his tail was puffed. He was looking into the living room. When I bent down to pet him to see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling and backed up until he had hit himself under the kitchen island. Never seen him do that before. When I walked back into the living room, the kids were sitting on the couch as still as can be, but my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what was wrong. He said that he felt very dizzy and all of a sudden, but that he was fine. I turned back to the children to give them their cocoa, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside me not to drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no whites, just giant black pupils. When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could and showed them down the hall. They went into the bathroom together, and I hurried back to my husband asking if he had seen their eyes. He had seen them, too, and that they had looked like his brother's badly bruised eyes after a car accident. We were in the middle of talking about whose children they could be when my husband's nose started to bleed. He never had nosebleeds as long as I had known him. I just knew inside myself that there had to be something to do with these kids in the bathroom, and I started crying. 
while I ran to get my husband some tissues, that's when the power went out. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room, and as I started to walk back through the hallway, I stopped dead in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving. I have never been so scared in my whole life. They just stood there in the dark. After what felt like forever, the boy said, Our parents are here. And they walked to the door and opened it, and walked out, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up to go close it and almost fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car idling at the end of the driveway. The men looked like they were wearing black-colored suits, were very tall, at least six feet. When my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got into the car, and drove off. Our power came on about a half hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. We can only assume they ran away somewhere and never came back, but the worst thing was coming home to find Pigeon in a puddle of blood on the living room floor. He looked like he had been vomiting blood. The vet told us he had had some kind of hemorrhage. After my husband's nosebleeds became a regular occurrence, we went to see the doctor. He didn't know what to make of it other than dry nasal passages, but my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer. When the doctor asked us if he had been using tanning beds, we both thought that he was joking, but apparently this kind of melanoma is linked to overuse of indoor tanning. The doctor thinks he will recover, but don't understand how it got bad so quickly. My husband has never worked an outdoor job and spends relatively little time in the sun. Since we let the black-eyed kids inside our home, I've also suffered from regular dizzy spells and nosebleeds on a regular basis. I've had other issues, which I won't mention here, but trust me when I say that I'm suddenly in the worst condition of my life and no one can do anything about it. I know that this is all because of the black-eyed children I let into my home. We told everyone we could about the strange kids that showed up that night, but no one else saw them, and some laughed at how scared we were of the Mennonite kids. But we know what we saw. I wish my husband had never opened the door. Feel free to publish this as a warning to others about black-eyed kids. My advice would be to lock your doors, call the police, and wait for morning. Don't make the same mistake that I did. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let them in. I'm sorry, but that... I mean, that sound... We've seen enough horror movies that that's the last thing that I think anyone would ever want to do. If kids showed up at 2 o'clock in the morning and they're not just scared out of their, their gourds because there had been a car accident or they were screaming they needed help and get a phone and they're like these monotone robots, they're not coming in the house. Yeah, come play I'll with call the police and have them... Come play with us. I have, I'll call the police and they can come get them. Well, and but that's the scary thing about it is you think that, but almost every one of the accounts I've heard, that's what the person original, initially thinks is, oh, holy crap, what's going on? But then, like I said earlier, there's that that part of your brain that wants to let them in. Yeah, but there's me and in the whole time in my head that things pop up like Salem's Lot, The Ring. You know, there's going to be this long <laughs> list of movie titles that are come, come up that just totally say, you know what, Chad, you know better. You know not to let them in. doesn't matter how bad you might want to because you're going to be a sissy. You're not going to let them in. <laughs> Afraid of some kids. That's right, children. Well, and I have another one here. It's not quite as dramatic as yours, but this one comes to, from, to us from pararational.com, and it starts out, uh, I have read many accounts of these black-eyed kids, but I don't really think any come close to what happened to me when I let two, in my, in, two into my house. Some people think that if you let them in, that they will kill you. Obviously, I can say this is not true. This is what happened. I was sitting in my bedroom at home when I heard a knock on the door. 
it was not too late, so I didn't hesitate opening the door to whoever it was. When I opened it, there were two children standing there. Both were looking at the floor. Yes, I said. The taller one asked if they could come in, as they were lost, and the other boy needed the toilet. I live in an area where it is very easy to get lost, so I just assumed that they were telling the truth and were looking down because they were shy, even though the one talking spoke very confidently. So I let them in. The one who needed the toilet just walked in and straight up the stairs, so I shouted, It's up on the right. I don't know why I didn't find this strange, but most toilets are upstairs, and as he was young, I didn't think anything of it. I told the other one that the phone was down the hall. Thanks, he said, and he started to walk down the hall. I followed him, and then I suddenly came over, I suddenly came over with a really awful feeling like something bad was going to happen. I became very nervous and a bit shaky. I still can't explain how that happened. The boy stopped at the phone and paused. Everything okay? He turned to me and looked up, and that's when I saw his eyes. And trust me, I will never get that picture out of my head. I was so scared that I couldn't even scream as I turned to run down the hall. The other kid was standing at the end. I became very dizzy and struggled to stand up. He walked closer to me and said that he had been sent to collect me. I still couldn't bear to look into his face. I pushed away from him and ran into my front room and slammed the door shut. I was in so much shock about what was happening, I couldn't think straight. This is something that you don't expect to happen, even in movies. After standing against the door for around an hour or so, I finally got the courage to make a run for the back door. So I ran to it and unlocked it. I ran to the back of my garden and jumped over the fence, not once looking back. My friend lived close, so I ran to his house. I told him the story, and I guessed he, and as I guessed, he was a bit skeptical about what I had said. I convinced him to come back with me. When we got there, we looked around the whole house but couldn't find them. Ever since this happened, I always have a dream that these kids with the black eyes stand over my bed and their hands are stretching to me. I hope to God I never see these again. Wow. Nothing like nosebleeds, potential cancer, anything like that, but still creepy. So I need to talk to the people that make uh, Raid Bug Spray in Roach Motels. They need to come up with like a black-eyed kid deterrent <laughs> or at least some sort of trap specifically designed for those children. Well, that that's the thing. What would you make it for? Because that's another one of the big things is what are the black-eyed kids? That I don't know, but you would think the people at Raid could get that down. <laughs> because they have aspects of being... Vampires, demons, aliens, just all of it. Bill collectors. Uh, one of the things was saying, I think it was going over different accounts of what they could be with the different stories, saying different ones have accounts of cancers, anything like that, which might be related to radiation, which may make you think alien. Mm -hmm. The occasional, we can't come in unless you tell us we can goes along with vampires. Mm-hmm. And one of the more interesting things I saw uh, was giving credence to them being demons. I don't know how much to go with this or not, but it had said that demons cannot take the exact form of a human because God created man in his own image, so therefore a demon cannot completely look like man because that would be in God's image. So their eyes are black. 
Yeah, I've I've heard stories that would kind of um, nod to that that theory. Like there was a, and you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember all the details, but I remember reading a story about a man, and this was in Asia somewhere, and come upon a, a child that looked as though he was in distress, and the man picked him up and put him on his back and was carrying him. And as he did, he noticed the child's feet were clawed and deformed. And that's when he also noticed that the child had black eyes. So they think some black-eyed kid accounts are a lot older than the ones that have shown up since the, the 90s. And, um, you know, because every once in a while a story will pop up with something that sounds very similar. Right. Well, just as an aside, though, if you're a demon, I understand the fact that you can't completely look like a person. But why would you make your eyes black? Why not just make like, oh, I only have four toes, but I'm going to wear a shoe so you can't see that. Might not be an option. Oh, it might it's, be one of those things where that's it just what you're happens. stuck with. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's kind of like the free gift that you get sometimes when you buy things. It's like, uh, you know, it's free and, you know, it'll, it might help you out with something. It might be like a window scraper, but you didn't have an option to go with something else that you would have liked a lot more. So you can't be the tricky demon and go, you know what I'm going to make different? I'm only going to have one kidney. Yeah, you can't spot that. You can't see that. That's right. <laughs> Evil. Evil demon. Yeah, black eyed kids, they just creep me out. I mean, it's a very creepy concept. Uh, something I hope to never have to uh, deal with. I mean, regular eyed kids are bad <laughs> enough sometimes. That's right. Especially other people's regular eyed kids. Common eyed children. <laughs> Scariest of all. Sometimes they come to you with a sticky face and want to give you huggies. They're diapers, huggies? No, I, oh. I mean, like, you call them huggies where they just hug you, not the things that catch their pee and poopies. <laughs> Peas and poopies. But anyway, <laughs> back to black-eyed kids. I know nobody has to put a fence up around their pool to keep the black-eyed kids from drowning in it. It's the neighborhood kids you got to worry about. Or maybe that's, that's the way to keep them away. Possibly. Hmm. What is a defense against black-eyed kids? Because that's what they, they pop up everywhere. One of those bug zapper lights. That's. I think that's another reason is why they creep me out so much, is there's not a, oh, you know, if you have a green lamp post in your front yard, it keeps them away. They they show up. Not yet, but if you order the paranormal guy's green lamp post, it is a deterrent <laughs> for black-eyed kids. So anybody that wants to get one, let us know. If we have enough requests for it, We'll actually get it under production because we've, we've done a lot of research into the Black Eyed Kids deterrent phenomenon, apparently. The paranormal guys. And the paranormal guys uh, light post. Anti-Black Eyed Kid green lamp yeah, post. might actually work. So just let us know. But we'll let you know a price at <laughs> a later date. Wow. So when those uh, green lamp posts do go up for sale, Chad, where uh, where do you think people could find those the easiest? I think they could probably go to paranormalguys.com. And if we get the contract signed with Home Depot and or Lowe's. But before we get that far, we just need to go to have people go to paranormalguys.com. That's right. You go to our website, like Chad said, paranormalguys.com. That's where most of our shows, well, all of our shows, are actually posted. And the easiest way to listen to them. Uh, any news about anything we're doing, legal things, copyright infringements, we'll put news up about that. Uh, we have some cool links up there, and that's when uh, the interview uh, that Chad did with the guys from CreatureReplica.com, that's where that will be as soon as we get that all squared away. 
Uh, and that is also where you can find uh, an easy way to email us. There's a form there, or you can just send one straight to pongpodcast at gmail.com because Chad would love to get some stories in. I do love the stories. There's also a uh, handy button there if you'd like to make a donation to the show. Everything we're doing is coming out of our own pocket. We are not doing this to make a profit, except for maybe those paranormal guys, black-eyed kids to turn lampposts. Um, so if you'd like to make a donation just to help us keep the show going and maybe work on to uh, bigger and better things, uh, we'd like to start trying to do a few little trips so we can get some inter- some one-on-one interviews. And uh, we'd like to try to do a little bit more, but unfortunately some of those things get kind of expensive. And if you'd like to donate, that'd be greatly appreciated. If not, just enjoy the show. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, if you like us on Facebook, that is the quickest way to find out when a new show goes up, uh, any kind of special things like the interview that'll get posted. It all goes up on a post on Facebook pretty much the second I put it up on our webpage. And as always, the music for Paranormal Guys is from Eye of the Storm by William Blanchard. You can find his music at soundclick.com. I think that, uh, going to make me sleep good tonight, Chad. Yeah, like I kids. You want to leave a light on tonight? I'll leave a light on for you. Motel 6. It. That's right. <laughs> Tombo Dead. And Chad? Yes, Chris. As always. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait for it. Okay. Have a paranormal weeks. <laughs>